0: Hello everybody and welcome once again as we continue on in the study we're doing of the New Testament and uh, we're well into this study. More than three years in, we're, we're working our way through, uh, steadily through the New Testament and as I've said, you know, since we started, after we're done with the New Testament, we'll start on the Old Testament and we'll just keep on going until Jesus comes back and uh, so it's kind of handy for me because I have the next 40 years of Bible studies mapped out because... So, five years for this, fifteen years for the Old Testament, and then we'll start over again. Alright? So, as long as the pasta doesn't run out. There we go. We're gonna make it. So, uh, we've covered the Gospels, we covered the book of Acts, I always say that as we go into it, is, and then out of the book of Acts, we, you know, we looked at Paul's missionary journeys, and so we decided we would, um, stick with Paul, and, uh, run through the letters that he wrote together in the order we believe he wrote them um, because we have a context for why they were written. They were they were written to brand new churches that Paul mostly started. Um, they had a lot of questions. There was a lot of issues in the church then just like there is now. Compounded then by the fact they didn't have any sort of history or anything to go by as to what they were supposed to do. And So they would ask Paul. They would send Paul letters or people would go to find Paul and he would deal with their questions by writing them back letters. When you read... Um, Paul's letters, you have to hold them at some level in that context that they were being written for a specific purpose answering some questions. Um, they still apply to today, however, because we have the same issues going on and the Holy Spirit was involved in the process and the, the book is still alive and the Bible is still alive for us today. Um, but we, we want to be careful that we don't um, try and take um, parts of Scripture and then make it say something that it's not saying. So we, we want to hold it in the in the bigger context of what's going on. That's an important part of looking at the Bible and why we're going through it the way we're going through it. So we have a context for what it has to say. Um, and we've been through a lot of Paul's letters already. We see how um, how he handles hard questions. We see how he talks about loving each other well, how he talks about, um, you know, yielding to the Holy Spirit and looking to the Holy Spirit to help uh, deal with conflict and, and controversy, that conflict is a part of the church. Um, that uh, as long as it's held in the right tension, it helps the church to grow. It helps people to grow, um, because we have to deal with you know situations and things, and, and uh, God uses those things in our lives. And so even though my, most of us would you know most people would say that conflict's not their favorite thing, um, certainly not mine, but it is part of the, f- the deal. It's part of life. It's part of people trying to figure this thing out. Sometimes we're going to disagree, and uh, Paul said that was okay. It's how you handle. The disagreements. Can you still disagree with someone and yet continue to walk with them? Uh, moving on in the same direction and able to put those things into place where they don't cause, you know, such um, such strife that that it breaks relationship. And that's really the, the main issue in a lot of the points that we're dealing with. Um, Paul's dealt with a lot of hard stuff already in the book of Romans. Remember, this is the one um, church that he writes to that we don't believe he had anything to do with starting. Um, we think it, it started out of uh, the people that were around at Pentecost who went back to Rome, but um, they still had some questions, and Paul was a guy answering a lot of those questions uh, and speaking into the Gentile world, and so he got involved in this one, and so he kind of writes a basically a systematic theology in the book of Romans. It's a great book for for dealing with a lot of um, the subjects of what it means to be a Christian we've been looking at a lot of them. Chapter 13 is what we're up to now. And um, in this particular chapter, Paul kind of addresses how Christians are supposed to relate to the government and people outside the church. Which is uh, something they had to deal with then, government. And something we still are dealing with today, government and what that looks like. And there's a lot of different opinions on on how um, believers are supposed to interact with the government. And we'll we'll try and talk about some of them today. Um, Paul uh, says that... um, god uh, institutes human government as a as a type of restraining power um um an agent if you would of justice to bring punishment to wrongdoers um and, and, and yet as you read this make sure you understand this is no like blanket endorsement of of every or or even any form of human government um it's an observation that's that makes sense any any state any government for its own self interest um has to be concerned at some level with some measure of morality and moral order in in the, the, the uh, area they have authority over. Because if there was no sort of standards, then th- everything would just run down very quickly and they would get taken over and lose control and lose power. So um, human government, for its own sake, not so much out of respect for God, serve, serves uh, in effect as an agent um, in enforcing basic morality. So that's true of most governments. Now, there's some horrible governments out there, and there's a lot of bad stuff going on, um, in, in no, it's, none of it's a perfect system, so as I said, it's not an endorsement of any type of, uh, human government, but it is, a, an understanding that, that God, um, has government in place to help deal with some of the issues that, um, are going on in the world around us. And so we have to recognize, that human government is ultimately ordained by God, and um, we're to respect it. Paul tells us as a as a divinely intended institution, intended institution. And so, out of respect for God, then we we do things that good citizens are supposed to do: pay taxes, show respect for people in government, um, pray for our leaders, um, and and in general, try and be good citizens of the country that we live in. And that's sort of the underlying principle moving in through Romans 13. Uh, It's a short chapter, 14 verses, so let's read those and we'll we'll talk about it for a little bit and uh, then we'll go from there. Romans 13, uh, verses 1 and following. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authorities, rebelling against what God has instituted, And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and he will commend you. For he is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it's necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. And whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule... Love your neighbor as yourself. You think Paul at that moment was just so busy he couldn't think of all ten? <laughs> Have you ever been on the spot and, and not been able to get nailed down all ten? Here's four and you know all the rest. <laughs> They're all summed up this way. <laughs> it's a good exercise. Really, every once in a while you should challenge yourself to figure out the ten and make sure that you can, you can get to them. Okay? All right. Because you, you, it's important to know. All right. All um, right. All summed up in this one rule, love your neighbors, yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently, as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ, and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. And blessed be the word of the Lord. Okay, so uh, let's dig into a few sort of the ideas that I think that we need to cover. Like I said, it's only 14 verses, so um, uh, not a lot. We're, we are, in effect, supposed to live at peace with the government as long as the government allows us to live in accordance with basic Christian beliefs and ideals. And there's three main interpretations that that looks like over the last 500, 600 years of what that looks like. So there's three. Some Christians believe the state is so corrupt that Christians should have as little to do with it as possible. Although they should be good citizens as long as they can do so without compromising their beliefs, they should not work for the government, vote in elections, or serve in the military. There is some of Christendom that believes that way. Others believe that God has given the state authority in certain areas and the church authority in others. Christians can be loyal to both and can work for either. They should not, however, confuse the two. In this view, church and state are concerned with two totally different spheres, the spiritual and the physical and thus complement each other, but do not work together. Still others believe that Christians have a responsibility to make the state better. They can do this politically by electing Christian or other high-principled leaders. They can also do this morally by serving as an influence for good in society. In this view, church and state ideally work together for the good of all. Those are the three primary views of how we're supposed to operate as believers um, in, 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 in and with and around the government. Um, none of those views advocate rebelling against or refusing to obey government's laws or regulations unless they clearly require you to violate the moral standards revealed by God. That's the that's the defining point. You, if the government tells you to do something that's clearly against the Word of God, we are not to go along with that. That's that's when we're supposed to stand up and say no. Um, but but uh, short of that. Um, we're supposed to listen to what they tell us and uh, and be responsible as citizens. And so um, that's what we need to try and do. It's, it's easier said than done because most of us... Um, oh, let's talk about it in a minute. Because uh, I could jump ahead and I'm not. So um, I, I want to summarize this chapter basically by saying this. Um, we need to pray diligently for people that are in authority, regardless of how you feel about them, um, politically or any other way, you need to be praying for, because of what Paul just said in this this chapter, you need to be praying for the leaders of our government um, every day. We want to pray that they do the right thing. We want to pray that that they'll be open and obedient to God. We want to pray that... that uh, that that since they're instituted uh, in there, that, that God would use them and work through them. And that needs to be our constant, faithful, regular prayer. Um, because uh, we, we in effect, are submitting to them, and so we want to pray that God is working through them as well. So we need to pray for them, and then the other thing that we need to do, and you've heard this before, but we need to live by trying to do the next right Thing. Very good. That's how we do this thing. That's what it's all about. And so um, I say that all the time um, In in response to this chapter. I want to give you four very practical ways of uh, Talking about how to know if it's the next right thing or not Okay, and so so that's what we're gonna finish up with We're gonna talk about that four little things that you can ask yourself when you're trying to figure out um, in relationship to government and to people outside the church and even in life and in general, these four principles are very, very helpful. And so um, you might have heard it before, uh, but it'll be a great review if you if you don't know them, write them down there. And I, I think I left you a pretty big blank for notes today Four things that you need to think about about doing the next right thing. First one is this. Is it respectful? Is what you're about to do respectful? Verse 7 says, give everyone what you owe him. If you owe him taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Biblically, we're to show proper respect to everyone. And that's one of those words that we talk about. It means everyone. We're to show respect to everyone. Um, when we talk about this, you know, I, I often say that the, one of the best ways we can do that is really looking at and... and uh, looking for and seeing the the beauty of people's potential we want to look at people and and ask god to help us um, see them the way that he does and god sees people differently than you and i do god has a way of seeing people um in his son through his son and and he he sees their potential in ways that that needs to impact us and i always say this way aren't you glad that that god's when he saw you before you knew christ um, that he saw the potential you had in Christ and, and he, he, he saw that in you before it ever took place. I am glad that, that he saw me that way. Uh, I, you, that overwhelms me that he sees potential like that. I, I read about, <clears throat> um, the Old Testament heroes of the faith and, and the stuff that they went through in life. And when you see how the Spirit of God writes about them, um, and, and how, um, how, you know, how awesome they are. And then you read, but because the same spirit also wrote all the bad stuff they did. Is You know, a lot of those guys, their bad histories located, written down in the scripture. Um, it's really cool to see how God sees them, even though they did all this messy stuff. And, uh, you know, Abraham is just like, you know, the, the, the father of the faith. And yet, Abraham, when you read the Old Testament, you get back into Genesis. He would pull into town and tell his wife, tell them you're my sister, because they're going to kill me otherwise and and she would say she's your sister and the kings would take her away and and then god would say you got his wife and they would get mad and come in why did you well it's kind of a true thing he would say you know she's sort of half my sister and uh it was uh, but he did that more than once and and you think well, what's that all about and and there's all sorts of stuff with the the guys that are heroes of the faith that are recorded as heroes of the faith what amazing people they were and yet they struggled with a lot of stuff so we we need to ask God to help us to see like He does, because He just saw what they were going to do, see? Not all the mess, but how they were going to work through the whole process in, in God and figure it all out. So people are worthy of respect. Treat people, I always say this, the way you want to be treated. That's the golden rule stuff. We've gone over and over the golden rule. It's always worth bringing up. But, but treat other people the way you want to be treated. That's what sets us apart from the culture. Um, you know, culturally, people tend to treat people the way um, they get treated. And that's not what we want. We want to treat people the way we want to be treated. It doesn't impact... How they treat us isn't the issue. Um, that's on them. That's between them and God. We hope it's good. But if not, we're still supposed to treat them with respect. Um, not, you know, letting them walk all over us or anything, but treating them with respect. Then the way they treat us is between them and God. So when it, when it comes to figuring out what the next right thing to do, is it respectful? That's always a good one. Because it'll catch you pretty quick. Um, I get caught all the time. I'm talking about some of this similar stuff this weekend. It's just the way it, the way it worked out. Um, I get constant reminders of um, how stuck I am and wanting to do things my way. Anybody else do that? And little things. And I, I, I you know, uh, like just coming to church today. And I drive that pickup truck, which is a problem because it's big. Um, and... <laughs> I sometimes want to impose my will on other people in lesser vehicles. Uh, <laughs> if I don't feel like they're really doing the right thing. And I caught myself today because I came, um, I was coming down Keter Boulevard. And you know, the light this time of year is not very good for people on, for locals on Keter Boulevard. It's for all the people driving down to Key West. So that they get light all the time. We get a very short light and we got people that need to merge in at the same time. And so I'm coming down Keter Boulevard and the, and the light's actually green and people are shooting in to merge and someone, someone takes a spot. Really, they just kind of gunned it and shot out in front of me. So I had to slow down and then the light was green and they stopped. And I'd like to say I was just like, hallelujah. But I laid on that horn real good. The problem with me laying on a horn is so many people come to church now that I'm sure I'm going to see them on the weekend, you know. Well, I know you. But that's all I did was lay on the horn. And I, kind of, I tried to do it kindly, but it was really like, this kind horn, you know, beep, beep. Oh, uh, by the way, the light's green. You know, if you feel like it, shoot on through. You certainly shot out in front of me with no issue running that stop sign, but now here's a green light. See, that's the problem. That's the deeper issue of what I just confessed. (laughs) My problem, not with that stop sign, but green. See? So, treat. (laughs) You know what's funny though is we have very little patience for other drivers when they make mistakes. Do you ever make mistakes when you're driving? And you just kind of go, well, you know, everybody makes mistakes. Yeah, no. Why are they honking? because you're texting instead of running through the light. It's green now. Is it respectful? (laughs) Pretty hard to make that determination when it comes to honking the horn. And here's a follow-up. Is it loving? Is it loving? Verse 8, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. Because of the, the love that Jesus has for us, we're always to love others well. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. Um, our love for God and for others is is our greatest witness to a world that, that God is God and that he cares about them. And uh, and so um, it's what we're all about. It's what we're supposed to be all about. Loving well. Loving extravagantly. Going out of our way to love others and care for others. As we go out of our way to love God, it's the response he's looking for. In us, so is what we're about to do. Is it a loving thing to do? Um, is it respectful and is it loving? If it fails any of these tests, it means you shouldn't do it. You really just shouldn't do it. Um, so, is it respectful? Is it loving? The the third quick little thing you process is this: Is it godly? Is it godly? Is it a god thing? Verse fourteen: Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. And do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Is it... Um, we're clothed with Christ. That means He's with us in everything that we do. Good, bad, indifferent, whatever. Um, is it something that Jesus would do? That's a huge question. And it really should stop a lot of behaviors that we shouldn't do. Jesus is right there. Right there with us. We're clothed in Christ. And... uh you know is it something he would do i mean, and we 're not Jesus, obviously we fall short all the time, but it should be i'm i 'm amazed by little things like that all the time how much how far I still got to go in this whole process how quickly I get selfish is uh is just is, is amazing to me in all sorts of things, and it happens a lot in that um, you know, in an isolated situation where you're driving and you're, you know, all sorts of different things happen. But in, in life and the things that we do is what you're about to do, is it a godly thing? Is it something that you're, you're, you're happily knowing that Jesus is with you in and that you know that he would fully endorse and be a part of? That's a pretty big one, isn't it? Um, but it's good. Since we're in Christ, is the action we're about to take one that would please God? And, and, that's another step in the process. And then here this one um fourth one very very helpful but it's a big question and uh, particularly as it pertains to the chapter that we just read. Um so is it respectful? Is it loving? Is it godly? Last one, is it legal? And it's funny that we 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 bring that up but it's true is it legal? Verse 5. Therefore it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. Uh, Paul's saying, look, you know, is it, is it legal? If it's not legal, then you could face punishment, and also it's really not a very good witness. And, and um, we tell, uh, I talk all the time about, I heard somebody saying it the other day, it was kind of funny, um, How we how we justify and rationalize things away. And I always say, you know, that word rationalize is one of my favorite words because we tell rational lies to sort of justify activities and behaviors that we shouldn't do. Um, and yet, uh, it's a great question. Is what we're about to do legal or not? And see, that goes beyond your opinion. I'm not, asking, it's not a question of your opinion. It's a question of is it legal or not? And, and really that should be the defining factor um, in this situation. And all of us will, you know, we got little things, little pet things that we're like, Meh, well, that's, that shouldn't be. Um, and we got to be careful of those things in, in our life. One last little note. Um, uh, and it, it ties in with what we talked about earlier. Just because something's legal doesn't mean it's godly. All right? There are some things that are legal that are not godly. And we have to know the difference. Just because something is perfectly legal doesn't mean that it's something that God would have us do um uh, god's right and wrongs always um trump uh man's right and wrongs if so you know we we need to listen to what he tells us to do and um and then ultimately this life it's 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 more than not just you know not doing what's wrong it's about becoming the person that god called us to be because that's where life is found. It's about, you know, doing the, not just avoiding the wrong thing, but doing the right thing and then, and then looking to see you know, how God would have us move and walk in the world around us and how to impact the world around us for Him. Because that's really what, the, what we're supposed to be doing is, is figuring out in this journey how we can impact the world for God, how we can be ambassadors. Um, for for Christ here and into the world around us to fulfill our mission. And, you know, our mission is one more, just to get one more lost child back to dad. So um, I think there's some pretty helpful stuff in there, and it's a pretty good way to look at it, and it's certainly something to think about. Um, and, and those le- those little things will help you a lot of times figure out if you should really be doing something or not. And, it, you know, if you got no's on those things and you do it anyway, that's sin, right? And so you're, it's clearly defined at that point. And all of us will do that at some time. And uh, and then, fortunately, we have an advocate with the Father, and we go run into Jesus and and, and God, and He loves on us and tells us to do the right thing. And um, we don't take that for granted. But we're we're in the process of growing and learning. And um, I'm I'm glad that we can change. Aren't you? Don't you see? Do you see yourselves change? Uh, I hope you do. that as you walk with the Lord, some things are. Um, there's there's things that have definitely changed in me. Um, uh, you know, not a hundred percent, but certainly working on some of those things. That was the first time I've honked the horn in a long time. And it, there wasn't any, you know, hand gestures or anything that came along with it. And I didn't say anything. and I was just a horn. Uh, it's really good. And then, you know, I didn't run up to him afterwards and get right on their bumper, which was, you know, the other, I see. <sighs> so I'm glad that there's change. And, uh, that should be happening in our lives, and and it's because I know that in the process God's working with me, and He loves me, and He forgives me, and He knows I blow it, and and He and continues to love me and help me through it, and and uh, and so I, I think it's a good thing that we change uh, uh, over time, and that's the journey that we're on. But that's enough uh, for tonight on Romans 13. Good stuff for you to consider and think about. Um, if you're watching on television or by video or on the webcast, uh, thank you so much for taking this time with us. We really appreciate you doing that. We know how valuable your time is. And we look forward to you uh, checking back in and, and hanging out. If you're, if you're in Big Pine or in the Keys, come and see us whenever you can on Big Pine Key. If there's uh, something we can pray for, you can go to our website at keysvineyard.com and, uh, and find the contact page and shoot us a prayer request, and we will pray for you. But uh, we'll see you again soon. Thank you.